I am your host, Raquel Ark, an American podcasting from Germany, and this is Listen In. Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn, and I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people, catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement. And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of. Does training listening in an organization really make a difference? According to Guy Ichakov, who is a listening scientist, lecturer, and assistant professor, Training employees in listening empowers them and helps performance as well as their well-being. In this episode, he talks about how he started researching listening and what has surprised him. He also shares his most recent research on the impact of listening training in organizations over time. Enjoy listening in. What brought you to the research that you're doing on listening? Good question. First of all, maybe I will start by saying that I conduct empirical study or quantitative studies about how listening or high-quality listening thereof impacts speakers' attitudes, uh, emotions, relationship, mostly in the workplace. And I started studying this field about eight years ago when I started my PhD with Professor Avi Kluger, he presented me to this fascinating field of research. I have to say that I was, if you would tell me like 10 years ago that I would be studying listening, I would tell you there is no way. And even in the beginning of my dissertation, because I came from a very interdisciplinary background, I studied economy, economics and psychology as an undergraduate, and then public policy for my master's. I was more like maybe economy oriented, and I did this transition to organizational behavior, but still business administration. I was even a bit, I was a bit embarrassed at the beginning to say that my dissertation is about listening. And I can tell you now, after eight years of studying it and teaching in business school, I'm very, I say proudly that I study listening. I'm just curious, do you remember the moment it shifted from embarrassed to proud? Yeah, I thought it was a process, but now that you asked it, I think that one salient moment was when when I was invited to publish a paper based on the research that Avi and I conducted on my dissertation for the Harvard Business Review. And I was pretty naive about it. So I emailed Avi, I said, you wanna write for them? And he was like, yeah, of course. And then I saw how much interest it elicited among managers and 
so many people how positive the feedback was that I suddenly started feeling pride in this research area. And, and then I started giving some talks in organizations. Two weeks ago, I gave a talk in an, at a new coffee shop in Israel about listening. But I think regarding your question, I think this moment, and it was, I think, after like a few months after I received my PhD, that this, yeah, even it was in 2018, so almost a year after I completed my PhD when this paper got published at the Harvard Business Review. And then I saw how much both the academia and practitioners valued our perspectives. So I started feeling very proud of what we do. Yeah, and I think I've known you since before that time to now. So, and I've seen also a change. <laughs> so it's nice to know that you're surprised. Why don't we go back then to some of the research that you're doing? Maybe talk a little bit about what has surprised you or about your research in of itself. The research line in uh, organizations wasn't planned. Like a lot of things in life, it came out of nowhere. And it was an interesting story because the first study I conducted about listening training was just an opportunity that came in my way. I met with this couple who do listening trainings, and they call it the listening circle or the council. And uh, we touched base, and I very, very much appreciated their uh, methods and practice of how they teach people to listen. Um, I experienced it myself. I've done voluntarily some listening circles myself in many places in the Israeli society to promote connection between people. So I'm a fan of this procedure and a big believer in it. But I had no empirical data to, to back up what I was observing. And then one day, they called me and said that they are conducting listening training for employees in the local municipality in the city where I live. And I started measuring it, and the results were really interesting. And then I measured it in another listening training that they conducted two times more. And it ended up being an academic paper, which was published in the European Journal of Work and Organizational Psychology, co-authored with Avi Kluger. And we called it, Can Holding a Stick Improve Listening at the Workplace? It was one of my favorite papers. We basically found there when you compare individuals who undergo listening training to other sorts of trainings, the results were really interesting. So like briefly to summarize, we found that in comparison to other control conditions that we have, participants in the listening circle experience a greater reduction in their social anxiety, which is basically my apprehension of what you might think of me or how you might judge me. So they were more relaxed, to put it more simply, as a result of 
experience participating in the listening circle, they became more self-aware in their inner thoughts. And their attitudes became more complex. So if in the beginning of the training, they talked about what they think of their manager, at the end, after talking about it for and practicing the core assumptions and let's say the foundations of the listening circle, their attitude became more complex. So for example, if my initial attitude at the beginning of the training was, my manager is horrible. I think very little of him. At the end, people would say, okay, there are many bad things about my manager, but I now realize of kind things that my manager has also done for me or the manager was there for me when I needed him or her. So this is like a more complex perspective. Yeah, you think about, like, when you think about meetings and what happens in meetings and like, oh, he's an idiot or he's stupid or you know what I mean? Or people being very insecure, oh, my voice isn't going to be heard or what if I say something and I'll get in trouble for that or they'll think it's stupid or it's a stupid question. Then what you're saying is that by having the structure in this process, you were able over some time, you were able to get moved past those initial barriers. So, yes. And I think what the listening circle does is first and foremost creates a safe environment, psychologically safe environment to speak. Mm-hmm. And you can see it with people who don't want to speak usually in the beginning. After they feel the intimacy that is created through this atmosphere of safety, which the rules of the circles allow, because it's a very structured process. When they experience this psychological safety and intimacy, suddenly they want to share and they become aware of thoughts and perspective which they were not aware of before because of the other people who are listening to them in a non-judgmental way. And it was interesting for me because this was, it replicated what we found in controlled laboratory experiments before, but now in an applied settings. So it was intriguing, but I felt it was not sufficient because there is a lot we still don't know. And after reading more about listening training, I became aware that most listening trainings in organizations are not based on empirical research. They're based on intuitions and on, you know, maybe I call it N equals one. You have one manager that says, yeah, I like it, let's do it. But you're investing a lot of money on it. Don't you want to see what are the effects, how, if the effects last, and for how long? And there were a lot of unanswered questions with regard to, I think with regard to all trainings we do in organization, but I was specifically interested in listening trainings. And this is when there was another opportunity to conduct longitudinal 
studies, because the study I told you about, it had some caveats, some limitations. I measured them before and immediately afterwards. I don't know if the changes were stable. I don't know what happens the next day. Maybe they went back to their initial perspective. I don't think so, but it was an open question. And this is why in the past two years, I've been conducting studies over time on listening trainings to see, not after like a one time, like one full day of listening training, but measure multiple sessions and on multiple time periods. And this So is- I'm curious about your results on that because listening and this communication stuff, we have these habits, we have these patterns and we might change in this moment, but what will happen, you know, does it impact, is it able to change habits and patterns over a period of time? I can tell you what I learned so far. I have more than the last time we spoke. I will try to summarize three projects. So the first one is a study where we looked at the listeners, not the speakers, but the listeners. I had the good fortune of, through you, by the way, of meeting Jennifer Grau, who besides being a terrific person and a terrific listener, allowed me to collect data in listening training that she conducted in a really big corporation. It was two days, 18 hours in total of listening training. And it was employees who work in a customer service, the customer service department of this company. And I measured um, their feelings during difficult conversation with customers. For example, I asked them how anxious they feel during difficult conversations. How do they rate themselves as listeners during difficult conversation? And to what extent they are able to get inside the shoes of the person who is on the other side of the phone, which is called perspective taking. It's basically the cognitive aspect of empathy. So how well do you think you understand or you can put yourself in the customer's point? Mm -hmm. So this is perspective taking. And another one was their sense of competence. To what extent do they think they're good at what they do? And we found really interesting results. And we compared Jenny's training to a control group in a different company who did not do listening training. It was, I think, went on a field trip to combine fun with some learning. They served as our control group. And relative to the control group, participants or the employees in uh, the listening training that Jenny conducted experience greater reduction in their anxieties during difficult conversation and increased perspective taking. And this process made them feel that they are more competent in what they do. 
relative to participants in the control group. So put it simply, what I learned from Jenny's trainings was that if you listen well, your own well-being will improve through being less anxious and you will feel that you are better in what you do. And this is interesting theoretically from multiple perspectives, but mostly because we know that listening is good for the speakers. We know that listening reduces speakers' anxieties. We know that when people listen to us, we feel better about ourselves, right? Because I'm worthy of listening. But there is not a lot of evidence about what happens to the listeners, especially in the area of customer service when the employees are are under a lot of workload, both cognitively and emotionally. Yeah, I can imagine there's probably a lot of, I don't know the statistics, but I could imagine there's lots of burnout in that area. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we did not assess burnout in this study, but I have burnout in other studies. But this was especially intriguing because it was about the listeners themselves. Yeah. So basically, what I learned from it, if to put it in one sentence, it's empowering employees by training them in listening. A follow-up study that I conducted to this project was I also observed similar results with using the listening circle paradigm, though admittedly the effects were less strong, the results replicated. And there I assessed the employees also a few weeks after the training ended. Mm -hmm. And what did you find? And I found that first the effect did not go away. So it reduced a bit, but the reduction in the positive effects of listening was not statistically significant, which means that that training has some lasting effects, which is news for me at least, because it does say that it doesn't disappear in the one week afterwards. It was like a measurement at the end of the final session and then three weeks after the which end. Is co- yeah, which is quite a ways. By then, you know, you're kind of back into the role. And exactly. you hear that often in training, you know, they have a great day, but then, you know, what happens afterwards, you go back to normal work and it's like exactly. your vacation is gone. And to see that there was still impact. After yeah, the there, there, there's great. still impact. It's not as strong as when they are finishing the workshop, but it's still there you see that there are different ways that people put it into practice and other areas are challenging. And yet it's, at least from what I've noticed and observed, so it'd be interesting to study this, is that it's almost like there's different levels of skill building. You know, there's this first this awareness and just like pausing and taking a breath before responding, maybe asking questions first is the first step. And then afterwards, you know, what are the different ways that listening can be brought into different circumstances? But this listening circle, that I've used in a lot of different situations, also online and offline. And there's something magical that happens. And I people agree. are always surprised. I agree. I agree. As, so the listening circle is, I think, what happens there. Listening is not the goal. Listening is the antecedent. The goal 
is to facilitate connection. Yeah. And the listening circle, in my view, both as someone who conducts research on it and as someone who volunteered quite a lot in doing listening circles in the Israeli society, is that you allow people to take off some of the, of the defensiveness and the shields that we go with in our daily lives and to create a bond between people. Mm-hmm. And when this connection occurs, magical things happen. And so I will maybe take this opportunity to tell you about the second line of research about listening circles. There I look at how training employees in listening skills impacts their task cohesion. So how well they perceive that they function well with each other while working on tasks. Okay. And working together as a group. And just real quick before you go on, the, you did the listening circles or every, for three hours, three times. How much time did you have between each? So it, it wasn't, I wasn't the one who conducted it. It was a certified instructor. And it was about three weeks. Okay, about three weeks between each one. About, like some or three, I think one was four weeks, but about three weeks between. So about two to three months period yes. of time. Yes, Okay, exactly. great. One group was employees in one branch of the company that took the listening training the listening circles, and the other branch was employees on a waiting list that hopefully will take the listening circle in the, I hope, in this year. But they would our control group. So it's employees from the same corporation or company, but different branches. And I measured them before we began the training, immediately afterwards, and again, three weeks after. Listening training improved employees' sense of relatedness to their team. So that means that they felt like they were related to, like they felt connected with one each other. Exactly. So like items in the, relatedness is one of the basic psychological needs, according to self-determination theory. Okay. And relatedness refers to the extent that one feels that one is connected to other members in the group, in the organizations. Like, for example, some items are, I like the people I work with. I want to be friends with the people I work with. So the listening training increased the employee's sense of perception of relatedness. Mm -hmm. And as a result, enhanced their test cohesion. So the, the extent to which they feel that they function well and cooperate well when they work together on test performance. Okay, so not only did they feel like they're part of a group, but they felt like they were aligned with the work that they were doing. Exactly, exactly. And this, I think, is important because we know a lot about what listening can do in related to organizational outcomes, such as reducing burnout, increasing job satisfaction, increasing engagement, but... This data does not come from listening trainings. It's mostly correlational. And most of the studies, empirical studies about listening training, stopped at assessing 
if the employees become better listening, which is important. But if I'm a manager, I want to see that people cooperate better. Mm-hmm. I want to see that people are more committed to the organization, that they are some of the behaviors that I perceived as destructive before go away. And, and the effect on test cohesion is, I think, one, like one step in showing that people feel that they are working better together, which is relevant to many organizations because you need to cooperate with other people. Yeah, this is really exciting. You know, you hear a lot of people, people know that listening is important. You hear a lot of this thrown out like on LinkedIn and stuff, but I think like it doesn't go any deeper than that. It just says, oh, you just need to listen. And there's a few bits and pieces or descriptions on how to do that. But the the work that you're doing is so important to show what's really, you know, what really works, what really can have impact. And, you know, what does it really mean to be an effective listener? What does that really mean? Uh, so I think this this is a trick question because this is a question <laughs> you can answer better than me. Um, but you know, and you have much broader experience than I do in practice, in the practice of listening. Mm-hmm. So for me, listening is like riding a bicycle. You can just read about it and become a better listener. And this is like echoing your previous comment that, we have all these practical tools for listening, how to be a good, give me 10 advices on how to be a good listener. And I wrote a few of those in some chapters for negotiation, books about negotiations, even in organizational behavior journals, but you will not become a better listener just by reading about it. Or uh, talking about it. <laughs> exactly, or talking about it. And I can give you an interesting example I saw from my on my research assistants. So we are currently conducting a controlled laboratory experiment on the effects of listening on reducing prejudice. And in order to do so, I needed to train my research assistants in good listening behaviors. And I trained them for about eight hours before they went into their first session. And even we treated the first sessions as a pilot studies because they felt so overwhelmed in the first session when they met the participants because it's about how to give a reflection and how to use the nonverbal behavior. What type of question? What is a good question? And I remember them coming out of the first session like, wow, there is so... They even felt distracted until they got used to it. They got used to doing it after many, 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 many sessions. And now I observed them and now they are really good at it. Yeah. So, so this is a good message. Yeah. It takes practice. And in the beginning, it's going to be overwhelming. It takes a lot of energy, but it, but it does get better and gets easier. <laughs> You, you need to be non-judgmental towards the speaker. If you want to be perceived as a good listener, you need to be non-judgmental towards yourself. Yes. You will probably find out that you're not such a good listener yeah. as you thought you were initially. Yeah, I've heard that often. And I see that myself too. <laughs> so, um, it's like when my wife, I, until today, she tells me, you study listening? <laughs> you! <laughs> so, you got to love our spouses. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was really a pleasure. And 
I look forward to our future conversations. Okay. It's always great speaking with you. As, as someone who studies listening, I talk quite a lot when we're <laughs> conversing. So I always like it when you listen and I like listening to you as well. I am your host, Raquel Ark from Listening Alchemy, and I hope you are inspired by this episode of Listen In and find one person today to practice your listening superpower. Please subscribe and like this podcast and share it with others so we can catalyze a listening movement together. A big thank you to Evo Timan for producing the music and Cecilia Mercado for getting this podcast set up. Find more information at www.listeningalchemy.com. Enjoy listening in.